Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. Today I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue, and mosques as essential places that provide essential services. Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential, but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. So I'm correcting this injustice and calling houses of worship essential. I call upon governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. If there's any question, they're going to have to call me, but they're not going to be successful in that call. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. The people are demanding to go to church and synagogue, go to their mosque. Your rights are disappearing. Some people think that you can't take care of yourself. They think that they know better than you. They think that you're incapable of living your own life unable to make your own choices. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on Twitter, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I want you to pull up a chair. Stick with me on this. First, let me take a moment to acknowledge how grateful I am for those that have served and given the ultimate sacrifice for our liberty. So I salute their memory this Memorial Day weekend. Now, Thomas Jefferson once said, sometimes it's said that a man cannot be trusted with the government of himself. Can he then be trusted with the government of others? Or have we found angels in the forms of kings to govern him? Let history answer this question. Now, that was Thomas Jefferson, our third president. Now, why is it that we wait until people are 18, uh, 21, or 25 to vote, to drink, or to rent a car? Is it maturity? Is it experience? Perhaps partially. But overall, and mainly, it's that we're expected to govern ourselves once we reach a certain age, an age of accountability, just like the early colonies did, whether it was the Mayflower Compact at Plymouth or if you fast forward to our Constitution today. So what, Rich? Who cares? <laughs> I laugh because sometimes I get a feeling when I get into this philosophical stuff, I could hear the great one Mark Levin in the back of my head saying, uh, Richie V, we just lost half the audience. Can you make your point? Or maybe Curtis Lewa, Uh Richie Valdez, we got to make your point today or what? This is like a double shunned. Even the astute John Batchelor might opine, Mr. Valdez, a charming point, I'm sure, but a good evening to you nonetheless. Why am I saying all of this stuff? Well, because all too often I feel that we forget our own history, or perhaps we never even knew it to begin with. You see, just this week, I've been told by several people that people that don't own homes should not be able to vote. 
Then I heard somebody tell me that people on welfare shouldn't be allowed to vote. What part of our rights coming from God and not the government did we miss here? The essence of true liberty and self-governance is getting lost. In our history, when the British King, King George, King James, when they ruled the colonies, only the plantation owners, the freeholders, were permitted to vote. That's English imperialism. It promotes the very system of feudalism, European socialism, that we rejected with the American Revolution. In fact, the Greek philosophers warned of democracy and plutocracy. So skipping much of what the Greek philosophers taught us, but looking at Plato's theory of Kiklos and Aristotle's idea of Politeia and Polybius's version of the best form of government, which is a constitutional republic, we, we can have that, but without the safeguards of virtue, blind justice, and term limits, we're going to end up with an oklaroxy. I can barely say that. <laughs> now, oklocracy, that's the rule of mob, fickle people telling us what to do, the rule of government by intimidation from legitimate authority. Does that sound familiar? Oklocracy. Now, I would argue that this is where we are today. Oklocracy was the fickle Hillary Clinton winning the popular vote in 2016. Oklocracy is Joe Biden saying, you're not black if you don't vote for me. Oklocracy is essential Andy Cuomo from the Andy Cuomo podcast, the tyrant governor who says you can't work and you must cover your face. You can go to Target, but you can't go to church. You can stand in line for takeout, for whatever, McDonald's, but you can't stand in line to go vote. You can cast your ballot, but they only want you to do it by mail. Now, excuse me if I'm wrong, but isn't this exactly what our democracy was built on? Virtue? Voting? Listen, I'm really fired up about this stuff today because I think it's terrible. I think it's absolutely terrible what's going on. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. I'm Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on Twitter. This is America. Yeah, I'm black. I'm not Democrat. Peter Maga hat. Ooh, we they try to take my guns. I can't go like that. Ooh, we they try to take our funds. I can't go like that. Ooh, we they try to ban our speech. I can't go like that. Yeah, I'm black. I'm not Democrat. Peter Maga hat. Ooh, we they try to take my guns. I can't go That's like that. That's I'm black, Ooh, not a Democrat by Bryson Gray. My man, Bryson Gray. Big shout out to him. And if you listen to The Breakfast Club or just about any social media, you've seen a cut of Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden, putting his foot in his mouth without salt, sin sal, sin pimienta, no condiments whatsoever. He put his foot in his mouth big time yesterday. In fact, he ended up apologizing for it. Now, some years ago, I worked in the Christie administration when Chris Christie was governor of the state of New Jersey. And one of my colleagues was the director of African-American affairs for the governor. Since then, he's gone on to work with veterans organizations and as a nonprofit manager in different education uh, associations, as well as uh, working with 
different radio stations uh, throughout the country as a broadcaster himself. So I want to welcome to the program a good friend of mine, Brandon Bryce. Brandon, welcome to WABC. Rich, what's up, my friend? How are you, guy? So check this out. I'm guessing you've heard uh, what the vice president had to say, but just in case you didn't, listen to this. Check this out. Can't do that to black media. I do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at 6 o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. All right, so that is Vice President Joe Biden on with Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne the God is the host of The Breakfast Club here in New York City. And that is exactly what he said, that if you don't know if you're voting for me or voting for Trump, you're not black enough. So uh, radio host Brandon Bryce, what say you? So first of all, I heard it. I heard it very loud and clear. And, you know, Charlemagne the God, uh, I agreed with him recently on his statements about blacks and guns, uh, but my thoughts are he gave him a complete pass. This guy basically said, if you don't vote Democrat, you're not black. And so to me, that was not only an insult, but it was ridiculous that Charlemagne the God, who has been very critical of people like this, turned a blind eye. The media is giving Joe Biden a pass, and Rich, you and I know if this had been a Republican, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. People would be calling for his resignation. A hundred percent. Now, I think for context, since we're in radio world, Brandon Bryce is a black dude from Detroit, from the D, right? And he used to write for Hip Hop Republican. Brandon is a black dude. I'm a Puerto Rican dude. We're both proud Americans. And we look at this and we see the double standard of how he literally tells Charlemagne, you're not black enough if you don't vote for me. And Charlemagne just disregards it and talks about, well, it's about the community and blah, 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 really giving him a pass. See, Rich, this is the double standard in the media, because the ridiculous part of this is that the guy just insulted black people who don't think like him. And Charlemagne and the rest of them clearly said, ah, well, he made a mistake. Okay, be that as it may, if a Republican had said this, you and I both know, they wouldn't have said that he made a mistake. They would be calling for his seat or his resignation. Rich, it is a total double standard. And I'll be honest with you, this is not the the, the first time Joe Biden uh, has made a mistake. He's made a mistake quite a few times. Are you saying that he called Barack Obama clean? Clean and articulate. What's wrong with being clean and articulate, Brandon? Well, Well, first of all, anyone who is a U.S. senator, I would hope, would be clean and articulate. (laughs) (laughs) thank you brandon for being with us today that's brandon bryce everybody you can follow him on twitter at i am brandon bryce of course we welcome your feedback online on social media wherever you want to reach us you can at richvaldez.com the richvaldez.com is our website and of course you can get me on social media at richvaldez with an s that's richvaldez with an s on all social media twitter instagram facebook get at us at richvaldez with an s Stay tuned because up next, we're going to get into something really dicey. Keep it locked right there. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. The call screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way, 
Richie Valdez is terrific. Thank you to the great one. Now, speaking of the great one, you know, the great one was chief of staff to the attorney general of the United States at Meese during the Reagan administration. And uh, we're fortunate to have the former acting attorney general of the United States who replaced Jeff Sessions, uh, Matthew Whitaker, with us today. And we're going to talk about his new book. But before we get into that, I want to just share. <laughs> I was looking at the New York Post and talking with Madame Call Screener and there's a statistic with respect to coronavirus that marijuana or cannabis, however it's being offered, I don't know, improves immunity for coronavirus, at least this is a theory, by 73%. So hold on to that one for now. But again, I want to talk about Above the Law. It's a new book by former acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker. And Matthew Whitaker is with us right now. General, how are you? I'm doing very well, Rich. It's good to talk to you again. Likewise. So uh, to let the audience know, because I think it's a funny story. I was at CPAC and I was hanging out in the uh, green room and there was a fellow bald guy in there. And I was like, oh, yeah, look, another bald guy. And then he stood up and he was huge. And I was like, man, that's a big dude. Then I looked and I said, wow, that's the AG. It was good to meet you then. And it's good to have you back on the show now. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about Russia, Russian collusion, finding out that it was fake, phony fraud. And that this whole Flynn thing was invented. And I think a lot of people think, especially on the left or those that are hyperpartisan, they think, well, what do you mean it was fake? I mean, Trump is the one that's fake. He's the one that's a Russian puppet. But I think people are really losing, uh, I guess, track of the facts that Flynn was literally set up and that the government was, in fact, weaponized against him. So giving... Uh, I guess I want you to give us a little bit of your thoughts on that story, but just for context, I want people to know that you also were a United States attorney. You also were chief of staff to the attorney general and then became the attorney general. So with that being said, walk us through the Flynn story and how that evolves into your book. Well, Rich, it, first of all, I'm glad to be with you tonight. And second, uh, we do share a similar barber, which during this <laughs> coronavirus uh, shelter-in-place order has certainly been to our advantage, Amen. Uh, I would say. Uh, but, you know, I, I think really the people, what, what folks, what your listeners, I want to make sure to understand is that, um, first of all, what happened to General Flynn should never happen again. In my new book out this week, Above the Law, what I talk about is how do we need to make sure that investigations by the FBI, investigations by the Department of Justice are properly predicated. We need to make sure that, you know, that they continue to v develop evidence. Because, you know, I think about not only General Flynn's situation, but also I think about Carter Page and, you know, sort of his, you know, his mm -hmm. FISA search warrant, which was, you know, it was, it was not properly predicated. And the evidence was the dossier, but not only was that once, but three times that was renewed, and there was no. It was it was generating no evidence that Carter Page was a um, agent of a foreign power, which is what's required under the FISA um, statute. So, you know, I look at I look at both Carter Page, you know, Michael Flynn, who was a patriot, obviously, and then ultimately what what became a criminal investigation into President Trump after Jim Comey was fired, and you know, from my perspective, I think all of these examples are inconsistent with the Department of Justice that I was a U.S. attorney, not only a U.S. attorney, but chief of staff and acting attorney general. We just can't make sure, we need to make sure this never happens again to another president 
or another candidate for, for, for president or another U.S. citizen. Yeah, and I want to just add some context to what you're saying, because I think people just they get lost in, in the acronyms and stuff. But people that didn't like Trump that worked in your department, you know, where you know, your colleagues, they did bad things and they lied and they cheated and got warrants to track people to try to make it look like the president was doing something wrong. Am I yeah, nailing that? I, I, no, you're right. And I looked to this January 5th meeting that President Obama was in in 2017, Jim Comey, and Vice President Biden, yeah. and so many other people. And and Susan Rice gives us a great like present sense impression of that of that meeting on January 20th from her email after she was no longer after the Trump administration had been sworn in, and yet four days later after that memo. You know, they said this interview is going to be by the book, like the General Flynn investigation is going to be by the book. Obama agreed to that. Comey agreed to that. Yet on the 24th, four days later after that email, Jim Comey sends two FBI agents into, which is inconsistent. It's not by any book I know, Rich. Right. I'm thinking, what book are they using? Right. Exactly. What book are they using? And I know that, you know, others have, have, have shared that same concern. And, and I look at the Justice Manual, which is the book that, that governs all of these investigations. I look at history, like the you know Jim Comey says, uh, Bush administration, Obama administration, we did it different. There was no difference. You had to be by the book, and this is why General Flynn. And I look at what the Judge Sullivan is now doing in the District of D.C., and I think that is so extrajudicial. It is not consistent with the law, and ultimately he's going to be ordered to do what the law demands, which is to dismiss General Flynn of these charges. Yeah, and rightfully so. And and I think everything you're saying is it tracks with I think with the understanding that we've had to date. But it still doesn't boggle the mind any less that people who were I'm going to use the term drunk with power that wanted to get their way did whatever they could by hook or by crook to make this outcome a reality, the outcome that they wanted irrespective of its uh, reality. You're right, Rich, and this is why the book that came out this week that I wrote, Above the Law, shows where in each instance, whether it was Jim Comey, Andy McCabe, Peter Strzok, James Baker, Lisa Page, so many others at the top of the FBI were not following the law, and were, were, were called an audible. You know, I'm an old football player, and I, I see this as a complete audible that, again, this is what's got them in trouble, and this is what I hope John Durham and his investigation who is a U.S. attorney from Connecticut, that Bill Barr has been appointed to look into these, has, will ultimately come to the conclusion that people want accountability. Uh, you know, I look at everywhere I go in the United States, I expect, you know, and people tell me, we want accountability for those that did this to the United States. And, and I think ultimately, I think John Durham is going to bring that accountability. Yeah, and I hope so. And, you know, earlier this week I filled in for the great one and I floated an idea that I read in a WAPO article that I wasn't sure if I believed in or not, but I wanted to put it out there to get some response on it. And uh, Congressman Gates was the first to tweet about it saying, uh, this is back in December, that yes, in fact, you can impeach uh, a, a former government official. And then 
the uh, WAPO article goes on to ask several different scholars, law school professors and uh, constitutional scholars at different universities across the country if, if it can be done. And the consensus, uh, at least amongst the majority that I saw, was yes. However, I don't see that happening. I don't think there's any precedent historically for it. There's no precedent historically for jailing a former president either. So what type of justice, what does it look like if we're not going to, you know, politically hold him accountable with a ex post facto impeachment, which sounds kind of crazy on its face? What does it look like? Well, I think what it looks like first is to make sure that we have a full accounting and full transparency from the FBI and the Department of Justice as to what happened. I think the second thing, Rich, that's so important is to then, whether folks can be held criminally liable for their behavior, whether they can be um, held accountable to their violations of the law, or whether or not they can just be uh, held accountable to the history of our republic. I think in any way that that this entire story can be told and to make sure that it never happens again, not only to a president, not only to a candidate for president, but a citizen of the United States whose Fourth Amendment rights were clearly violated. We need to make sure that this never happens again, Rich. Yeah, and we got two minutes. So now in your book, you talked about career bureaucrats that consider themselves to be above the law. Some of us call them entrenched bureaucrats. Others call them the administrative state. And as of late, most people call them the deep state. Uh, how is it that they perpetuate themselves and garner so much power? Well, you know, the, the, we need to remember, and one of the themes I talk about in my book is how, you know, these elite coastal folks that grow up, whether in the West Coast, or the East Coast sort of find themselves positioned in the, whether through their education or their experience transiting in and out of government. And I think we need to make sure that that normal Americans like myself and guys from Iowa, your listeners, <laughs> yes, a guy from Iowa, a guy from Puerto Rico, yeah. descent, wherever we find ourselves, that we volunteer, we raise our hand, we say we're going to participate in this republic. That's the first order of business. The second order of business is to make sure that we follow the rules. I mean, I talk about regular order in this book, and one of the things that regular order ensures is that things are done consistent with past practices and the rules of the Department of Justice. The Justice Manual, well, look at this, this whole, the Susan Rice uh, email that I talk about, talks about doing things by the book. I mean, Jim Comey, uh, James Baker, Peter Strzok, all of those involved in this Michael Flynn investigation did not follow regular order and did not do this by the book. You know, the Justice Manual, again, we have to follow regular order and ordinary sort of operations at the Department of Justice. Once the, once the top levels of, of leadership, the seventh floor at the FBI, the fifth floor at the DOJ, once they get involved, that's when things go off the rails. Yeah, I agree with you. And again, the book is Above the Law by Matthew Whitaker, former acting attorney general of the United States. He replaced Jeff Sessions and preceded William Barr. Uh, I guess uh, let's do a quick wrap up, I guess, of what people can expect in the book. And of course, you guys can get the book and I encourage you to get the book at Amazon.com. But uh, take it away, General. Well, I think it's a first of all, it's a hopeful book about how to restore integrity to the Department of Justice, Rich, and, 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 and I think people can go get it anywhere where the exceptional books are sold, whether it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 
uh, books a million or otherwise. But, you know, I, I, I hope that folks listen to your program and continue to be educated because we need everybody participating in, in whatever they, way they will in this republic. Well said. I can't thank you enough for being with us. Thank you, Matthew Whitaker, for joining the program. Thank you, Rich. So I always say as a final thought, if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. And that's from Hamilton. And Sir Edmund Burke says that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like all of us to do nothing. So do something, know something, read something. Stand up for what you believe is right. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 